This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now the war in Ukraine has disappeared from some front pages of newspapers and as the top story on television and radio broadcasts, but it is still the most terrible problem facing Ukraine, of course, and facing the people of Europe. And it is still climate change, notwithstanding a problem that we need to understand and Dmitry Olovsky has helped us understand what's happening and the Russian perspective in particular. Dmitry is presenter and chief editor for the YouTube channel Kordakovsky.live and a former deputy editor-in-chief for TV Rain, which was forced to close down because Putin and the Russian leaders did not want the facts to be known by their own people. Kordakovsky, of course, is a very famous name. He is a, a, an oligarch, one of the dissidents, somebody who's served 10 years in Putin's prison, got out and remains somebody who's fighting for freedom and justice in Russia. Dmitry, you're very welcome to the stand and thank you very much for joining us again. The fact of the matter that I uh, refer to at the beginning of my introduction uh, about Ukraine sort of going off the front pages a little bit, I'm sure is well known to you, but the sentiment of the people remains the same, to support Ukraine in every way we can. Uh, is there any sense among Ukrainian people that, or any fear that the West may lose interest and may not support Ukraine economically as they have done for nine months now. Yes, hello, Eamon. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, I think basically, yes, it's a problem that uh, worries um, all the nation of uh, Ukraine, all Ukrainian people. It's um, really very dangerous uh, that... Uh, the topic of war. Um, the topic of war in the very center of Europe is now going off from the uh, news sites, from the newspapers and uh, TV screens. Yes. Now, basically, Ukraine always needs uh, protection. They always need help. They always need supply of weapons. 
but uh, we actually witness now that there are not too many things happening on front lines of Ukraine. And uh, so I think this is why journalists are not paying very much attention to the events that are going on right now there. But it certainly looks for me as um, some sort of a quietness before the storm. Yes. Because there are very important events going on right now in um, Kherson city, a uh, big city not far from Odessa, uh, not far from, uh, from, from the Black Sea, which was taken by uh, Russians, by Russian, by Putin's uh, army, by Putin's military forces. And uh, now we see, we witness that uh, Ukrainian army is trying to get it back. And they're moving very slowly, but they're moving in the right direction. And they know what they're doing. And uh, I, I, we know that um, the so-called uh, pro-Russian um, administration of Kherson city has decided to evacuate all the civilians from the town. Yes, Putin has suggested or demanded that the civilians uh, leave Kherson and slowly but surely, it seems, Ukraine can get that city back. Psychologically, how much of a boost would it be to Ukraine to get Kherson back? It's a big city. Is it the second city in Ukraine? Uh, not the second, but I believe that it's one of the largest cities in Ukraine. Yeah, yes. definitely it's in top 10 of uh, Ukrainian uh, cities. It uh, will be very important. It will be extremely important for Ukraine, for their spirit, uh, for their belief uh, to take back the city. Uh, it's, um, it never was uh, pro-Russian. It uh, never had uh, any connections with the uh, Russia or Russian Empire or United or USSR. Uh, sometimes they say that Donetsk region or Lugansk region are yes. connected tightly with, the, with, with Russia. Um, there are like different points of view on that, but you can never say it about um, Kherson and about Zaporizhia. So I don't think uh, I don't treat this situation as like uh, if if they take it back. I'm almost sure that they will take it back. Uh, the matter is only when they will do it. I believe it will happen quite soon. Now, the morale, of course, of Ukraine is very important. So is the support for uh, Ukraine from the United States of America. Uh, as I'm sure you know, Dmitry, the midterm elections are tomorrow, and the Republican Party is likely to take control of the House of Representatives is almost sure to, and also it, it's possible that they can take control of the Senate, although that's a much more difficult task for them. Uh, the point I want to make to you is that Republicans in general are not inclined to support Ukraine in the way that the Biden administration has with vast amounts of money and also with arms. That must be a, a great worry for the people of Ukraine, and to some extent, for Putin, it's a it's a big result. You know, the funny thing is that um, it's a kind of a tradition that uh, Russian leaders um, or Soviet leaders uh, they can make good relations with the Republicans, yes, and uh, they are all, all uh, as well as they are all in a very 
bad relations in the fight with the with the Democrats uh, who are presidents in the United States of America. Uh, so basically, we should uh, keep an eye on that midterm elections in in the United States. But I still believe that President Biden has uh, some power, at least some power. Oh, he does. Uh, he, ha he has power yeah. for two more years and he has executive power. In other words, in terms of foreign policy, he, mm -hmm. can, he can do what he wants for two years and I think he will. Yes, exactly. And uh, I'm almost sure that uh, the war wouldn't last more than two years. I'm almost sure that uh, it will end uh, while Biden is still in the office in the White House. Though I would like to uh, stress that um, the uh, amount of supply, uh, economical or um, army weapons, it has never been enough since the beginning of war because yes. of uh, that uh, huge bureaucracy problems, because of some politicians trying to stop it. Uh, Ukraine has never yet enough uh, of help uh, from the Western world, though without it, it will definitely fail much, much. Uh, it will fail, let's put it that way, yeah. Now, the winter is coming, Dimitri, and the fighting will surely have to quieten down. It's hard to have a war in the winter, given how bad and difficult the winters can be in Russia and Ukraine in that region. Is that accurate? It's quite accurate. I would agree with you. But um, let's keep in mind that uh, the war has started in winter. And uh, March is a yes. pretty cold uh, uh, month uh, in, in Russia and uh, in uh, Ukraine. There is also a proverb saying, when it's March, don't forget to put a dozen <laughs> of plants. Yes. <laughs> so we actually see that... Um, uh, the I don't know, guys, whether you like an island have a nice weather this autumn. Here yes, we are. Yes, it's mild. Yes, where I'm based, yeah, it's quite mild and uh, it's still uh, pretty warm. Uh, so usually by this time uh, there is also already some snow and uh, the temperature might go uh, like zero degrees or something. So, uh, but yes, weather is uh, very important for. Uh, for the battles in uh, Ukraine. And now, now, these days even, it's important because of the mud, because uh, of the wetness. And uh, uh, this is why I guess um, we are not seeing uh, like some big battles these, uh, these days. It's, it's autumn. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Now, the Russian tactics appear to have changed and they are taking out with missiles energy sources in Ukraine. They are attacking Kiev, for example, and other places where the energy supply comes from. The Ukrainian people have been told they must expect to have blackouts. This is a new tactic that Russia is deploying, and it's this new general who's taken over, General Armageddon, they called him. He was the guy who, who he led the, the the war against Chechnya and also in Syria. He destroyed Syria using this tactic of destruction of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. You know who I'm talking about? Yes, uh, General Sarovikin. Yeah, yes, definitely. yes. And he, the one thing puzzles me, Dmitry. Why did Putin wait so long? Do you think to? Give him his head. Um, uh, there are two quite important issues I would like to discuss in this question. First of all, that Putin's tactics is definitely changing. Uh, let me remind you that in the beginning of the war, he wanted to take to overrun Kiev in three days. Then, uh, in the uh, this autumn, he wanted to freeze Europe in three months. Yes. So what we see now is that he's trying to make uh, life of simple Ukrainians unbearable uh, within like next three months or something. I'm talking about this this winter. Um, the other important thing is that um, definitely uh, Putin is uh, is a macho, you know. Yes. And he doesn't want uh, to stand nearby some favors, nearby yes. some. Mm, favors of all the of the military services. So I guess this is why he's now mm, changing the generals who are leading the war in uh, Ukraine because uh, he wants them to be guilty uh, in um, favor of Russian army. In uh, in in Russian army is not uh, behaving themselves very good. They are not uh, very successful. Uh, we haven't seen any new territories. Uh, that Russia occupied uh, for like I don't know, like maybe uh, months. I believe so. Yes. And uh, General Armageddon, General Sirvikin, um he's uh, responsible for not only uh, overtaking new towns and new cities. He's, he's uh, responsible for uh, destroying them, as he did in Syria. Yes. As he did with huge cities in Syria, like Aleppo. Aleppo. Yes. Aleppo, precisely. Yes, and this is what he's doing right now with Ukrainian cities. But I would like to remind you that um, Russian missiles are not endless. 
They are already using yes. uh, the missiles they got from Iran. They uh, didn't have any drones, so he's using Iranian drones, uh, Shahed, yes. which he, I don't know, for some reason he decided to rename, and now they are called uh, Geran in Russian, but everybody knows it's Iranian, it's still Shahed. Yes. Uh, so basically what we see is that Putin's army is, uh, um, I think they are running out of um, uh, armor. Out of missiles. Right. Let me ask you, Dimitri, about being an exile from your home country and what you know now about the feeling of the people in Russia, uh, if the sanctions are hurting them. And also I'd like to ask you about when Putin announced that he was going to have conscripts, that is, young men of fighting age, would be given a piece of paper and conscripted into his army. We're told a large number of young Russian men who would have been eligible left the country. Um, and of course, you yourself had to leave to continue your work. Um, what is the mood now among the, the Russian people? Because most of them will know that things, or do they, that things aren't going so well. Um, Russia is huge. It's uh, very big. And uh, I believe that um, the mood might be quite uh, different. Um, in Moscow, in St. Petersburg, where my friends live, where my mom is, basically people are still um, trying to live their normal life. Uh, they, uh, they're not feeling sanctions very much. Right. Um, some of them do, but uh, you know, it's mainly about like, for instance, my friend just came here from Moscow. Uh, we went um, to a shop to buy a bottle of wine to have a dinner. Yes. And he said, wow, this wine, uh, here in Swenian, it costs, um, three times cheaper than the same one in Moscow. Right. I mean, it's, uh, it's amazing, but, uh, I don't think that many people do really suffer from it. And uh, Moscow is a beautiful city. It's huge and it's fun and it has lots of parks, yeah, I don't know, beautiful bars, uh, nice places, and um, it's really far from the front line. So people still live their normal life. And uh, I guess they try not to talk about it too much, not to pay attention to it. Yes. To it. But we know that some surveys, some sociological surveys, show that um, there are... Uh, the, the, the amount of people who support the war, uh, it's, uh, de it's decreasing all the time. And uh, I think this is very good. But what is more important, we should always keep an eye on Putin and on his pals, what's going on there. Because I believe that there will be a revolution in, in, in Russia. But um, I think it will start from in the circle from Putin. Yes, and I wonder um, about the defeats that the Russian army have had. For example, let's look at Kherson and what might happen. Putin has, has, has urged Russians to leave Kherson. Their army presumably will leave, uh, their fighters will leave, and Ukraine will have taken that over. Is it the fact that what's left of the Russian media won't report it and they won't know? Or will the Russian people know about that, and particularly those in the inner circle? If he fails, 
as the war leader. Are there dangers for him? Um, well, first of all, talking about Russian propaganda, they live in their own world, yes, uh, which they create, and uh, they have some rules inside it, and it has nothing uh, to do with uh, like our world, like real world. So it's like um, two different uh, yes. universes, and uh, I've already seen some uh, leaked documents from the administration of Putin. Uh, with some guidelines for the media, for the propaganda media, yes. how to cover possible uh, loss of uh, Kherson city. And um, the main idea is that uh, uh, it's, uh, it wasn't ple- it's unpleasant, but it's uh, inevitable. So uh, this is what we have, and we have to like keep it that way. Um, they do not uh, cover... I mean, I, I cannot... Uh, um, I don't know how this how to discuss it because uh, it's better to discuss it as we are looking as we are watching some movie and yes. uh, what's going on there. Okay, right. but it's not. It has nothing to do with the real world. And um, about um, uh, Putin's uh, inner circle, you you've been asking. So yes. what was the question? Could you please repeat? I'm sorry. Yes, I mean among his inner circle, where. If there is something is going to happen to him or there is going to be a serious change, it has to come from within, doesn't it? From within that circle rather than from outside. Yes, definitely. Definitely it should come from the inner circle. Um, I don't know whether it should be some sort of physical measures or, uh, I don't know, maybe somebody should persuade him to stop the war and to stop at that point where we are now. Like saying something like um, there was a nuclear threat for Russia. Now, <coughs> now it doesn't exist anymore. And uh, we are winners because we have like four new regions and now we are richer and more people and all that stuff, you know? Yes. But anyway, I let's, uh, let's think about history. Um, I don't remember any um, successful stories uh, from the 20th century uh, when a, a dictator, a totalitarian dictator, uh, was taken off by some outer um, power, by yes. some people who come outside of the country. So definitely it should be something which is situated very close to Putin. Right now, the, the question of the winter... And what will happen in the winter on the battlefield? Will there still be activity, wins and, lo- and losses on the battlefield or in those terrible winter months when temperatures can go as low, I believe, as minus 30? Will that be a time for both sides to consolidate or will the fighting continue? So yes, I think that uh, the winter period will be a period of uh, pause, of um, hibernation, for instance. Yes. And um, I don't think that there will be lots of um, uh, battles going on by that time. But it will be the period when uh, all the um, parties um, will have an option to gather their powers, to um, get new supplies of weapons, of um, missiles, of yes. armory. And uh, th- that will be, I think, uh, 
we will see some important events before the winter, before the uh, the temperature goes really low, as you said, like minus thirty, minus twenty, I guess. Yes. Much more, uh, there are people in Europe, and there will be. I think. I think there will be a change in America. I think the Republicans will win the House of Representatives and possibly the Senate. And there was a call from the Italians today to stop military support uh, for Kiev. They, there is a new semi-fascist government in Italy and there were mm -hmm. demonstrations in Rome. There was what's called a peace march. And what they're demanding is that Ukraine negotiate with Putin. And there is some talk of that in other parts of Europe as well. It, given how much has happened, in your view, Dmitry, would Zelensky and Ukrainian people be prepared to negotiate? Would Putin be prepared to negotiate, in your view? I believe that uh, Zelensky uh, will never go to negotiations right. unless uh, Russia um, goes out from uh, his country. Yes. And uh, does that include saying, uh, Donbass? Yeah. And Crimea? Definitely. Definitely. Wow. It includes and both Donbass and Crimea. Yes. Uh, until uh, Russians are getting out of uh, Crimea. Uh, no negotiations will be. And um, Putin said that um, he's always eager to uh, speak uh, with Zelensky, but uh, there is no common ground to speak right now. Yes. Uh, so basically, I don't think that we'll witness any peace negotiations in the nearest future. Though I've read some disturbing reports that uh, Biden, President Biden was trying to persuade Zelensky to hold the peaceful negotiations uh, with the uh, Putin, and uh, I've also know we, we also know that um, some of Putin's aides uh, were holding uh, talks recently um, with the U.S. officials, trying to tell them that they are not going to use any nuclear weapon. So we we do actually see that some people want to negotiate, but um, it's inappropriate um, for uh, for Zelensky right now. He's uh, feeling that uh, he has some luck. He's feeling that he has some success, and uh, he and uh, his office believe that uh, uh, they can take back the Ukraine as. Uh, uh, as we know it, uh, before uh, 1991 and uh, 2014. Now, just a couple of final questions, Dimitri. The first one is, uh, to, is to do with the war. And if Putin loses this conflict, it's hard to see him surviving to lead Russia. Is that, you know better than anybody we've spoken to, uh, exactly what the consequence for Putin would be if he doesn't win. If Amen. It, yes, there is uh, there is uh, no such such thing as a, a victory for Putin in this war. Yeah. He can um, at any point, basically at any point, uh, he can wrap this uh, war and uh, he can tell his people that uh, he's winner right now. Yes. Uh, they are uh, producing so many fake news, uh, so many lies. Yes. Uh, and uh, people are unfortunately 
um, uh, so into it because they can believe like to anything in this world. I mean, like, for instance, okay, if I'd be like uh, Putin's uh, AD, she's a consultant PR uh, yes. uh, manager, whatever, press officer. You could have been, uh, if, you, <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you'd have played your cards right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So I would suggest him that, okay, like, uh, we have found a factory of um, uh, battle insects near Kherson. Uh, which were trying uh, to uh, infect all the Russians uh, with some new disease of uh, COVID-22. Yes. And uh, now we've destroyed it, and now there is uh, nothing that might attack our motherland. Uh, and we have new, new territories, and we have new people, and they are reunited in Russia. So we are winners. We, we are victorious. This is it. Let's go back. Why not? I mean, something like that. Yes. And um, even if he loses her son, he can uh, find uh, some reasons uh, and some causes to call himself um, uh, a victor in this, in this war. A final question, Dmitry, about your own personal feelings being in exile from Russia in Lithuania. When you think about your future, as a journalist, as a free man, do you imagine it to be in Russia? I think I, uh, I think about it every day. Yes. And uh, I believe that uh, I will come back. Um, I think that um, uh, Mikhail Khodorkovsky, he said that um, uh, in his vision, the war uh, might, uh, no, not the war might, Putinism will uh, go down, will break down uh, by the year of 2026 or something. Right. Uh, it doesn't believe that. It doesn't mean that the war will uh, finish uh, by that time. It will finish much, much earlier. Um, it doesn't mean that uh, Putin will go out or will die or whatever by that year, because there might be another guy who will take um, power after him. Uh, but uh, the year of 2026, it actually doesn't look that bad for me already. But uh, being more pessimistic than optimistic, I think that uh, I um, believe that there might be uh, a lot, and there might be um, there might be some. It might turn that way that I will never go back to Russia. And uh, I think uh, we all have to, me and my compatriots, have to leave Russia. We all have to think about it more often. Yes. Uh, just in case, just to be prepared. Of course. But we have to be in uh, power to change ourselves to that new world and to that new reality which we are facing basically single, every single day. Can you imagine, uh, and this is the really the final question, <laughs> um, can you imagine... A Russia with somebody like uh, Khodorkovsky and Navalny, who are exceptional people who have stood up to Putin, with people like those in power in Russia and with you able to do the work that you do, which is so important. Can you imagine that? And as part of that question, part two, what about the journalists who have stayed working, telling the lies every night on television and really betraying 
not just their profession, but their country? Uh, we shouldn't treat them as journalists. No, we should treat them as um, press officers of Kremlin yes. or PR agents <laughs> yes. of uh, Putin. So um, I think that... Um, Mm, they are shame of our profession, and yes. uh, you know, journalism is fourth fourth power in, in the yes, world. Yes, of course. And uh, they are not a part of it. But, but but anyway, there are very talented people uh, who might have just chosen the not not right uh, direction of the story of the history. And um, unfortunately, yeah, I mean, I don't uh, I don't hate them. Um, no, no, of course not. Done, yeah. uh, a wrong choice. Um, basically, I think many of them have chosen to work for uh, big money, and that's why they are there. Uh, speaking about future Russia, I think yes. Why not? Uh, I think um, both and uh, Khodorkovsky and Navalny and many Russian opposition leaders uh, who uh, had to leave Russia or who are now uh, serving a sentence in Russian prisons and gulags and etc. Yes. Um, I think that uh, they are very uh, prominent people. They are very free and very uh, they, they have to run the country. These are people that our country should be proud of. <laughs> and it's um, it will sound a bit, uh, I don't know, maybe I hope you understand and your, your uh, listeners as well, your audience, but um, it's uh, important for uh, prison. Prison is quite important for yes. Russia because of that bloody 20th century, because of Stalin and Gulags. Yes. And um, when people spend some time in prison, uh, I think they understand more about Russia, they understand more about people. It, yes, and, it can uh, radicalize them. Yes, yes, but yep. it's also, they also have some, like, new philosophy or new understanding yes. of, of the life in Russia. Uh, I don't know, I've, I've never been to prison, uh, so maybe. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it will be a beautiful, bright uh, country, and I'm sure I'll be back there one day. Okay, Dimitri, well, we're very grateful to you for joining us this evening. Dmitry Ilovsky is a very brave man and a credit to journalism. He is the presenter and chief editor for the YouTube channel Kordakovsky.live. You could get that uh, channel on uh, YouTube and it would be fascinating. It is to watch. Um, and he was before Dmitry was uh, deputy Editor-in-Chief for TV Rain, uh, which had to close down because they weren't telling the story that Putin wanted them to tell. So Thank you so much for having me. No, we're very grateful to you, Dimitri, and you have the good wishes of all our listeners and all the people um, in Ireland, and we hope to talk to you again soon. And one day, if I live uh, long enough, we hope to talk to you when Russia is free of this curse. Uh, thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, that will happen one day, definitely. It will, please God. And thanks also to all our listeners. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.